You're listening to another episode of Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies from this summer, this summer, 2021. Uh, you will notice that a couple of episodes ago, we started off our season three with old. And um, that was a good choice. I liked that episode. However, we definitely could have started off with talking about A Quiet Place 2 or Black Widow or Fast 9 the f- or F9, The Fast Saga or Space Jam 2, but we didn't. So we're going to talk about all of those today. This is going to be a lightning round where we're going to talk about all of them. Uh, so here's a brief intro music and then you're going to and then you're going to hear uh, specific intros for all of these summer movies as we go through. These are all spoiler free. So um, if you just want to hear our thoughts and you don't want spoilers, you're good. Just keep listening. I'll see you in a minute. It's been a while. The roads were a little empty. Places where we used to gather went quiet. We've gone through a year that tested us, but we're starting to see the promise of a new day. For more than a hundred years, there's one place where we all came together to be entertained, to escape, to go someplace new. The movies. There's nothing like that moment when the lights go down. The projector ignites. And we believe. You're listening to another episode of Classic Movies Live. Today we're doing a lightning round. We're, we're going to go through a bunch of movies because uh, a little behind the scenes here. Uh... We were trying to do we were trying to like organize when our first move when our first episode for the summer was going to be for a while and like it didn't keep work it kept just not working out which you know lots of different reasons for that but we ended up missing at least four really big good starting movies which we did go through the effort of like well the effort we did watch all of these movies and like I think we've talked about them in some detail but we never actually got to talk about them publicly so that you can all, so that all of our all of our listeners can hear our opinions and hate us for them appropriately. Uh, Pierre, do you watch a lot of movies this summer? Uh, maybe it's not as much as I'd like, but I've seen quite a few of the ones that have been released. Yes. What about you, Jeff? I did again. Also, probably not as much as many new ones as I would have liked. There's definitely a couple of movies that are like. Still, that like came out this summer that I meant to see and I still haven't. Uh, but I definitely did. As soon as theaters were open, you know, I told myself, as soon as theaters are open, I don't, I don't really care. I'm not going back. And I've been back every single week since. So I, I did miss these a lot. I did too. So yeah, it is nice. Um, but yeah, what's our what, what's the first movie I guess that you were most excited to talk about this week? Oh, uh, well, this was uh, this was one that I know for a while we had we had actually speculated publicly, I think, that this was going to be our first episode back. Uh, let's talk very briefly about A Quiet Place 2. 
Uh, what'd you think of a quiet place part two? I'm going to let you go first. Let's let, let's hear mm. what you had to say about a quiet place. Oh, part two. I know you were uh, a big fan of the first one, right? Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a really good movie. Uh, this one was just pretty blah. I didn't love it. Uh, I mean, it was definitely like a well-made movie, you know? Um, there were like solid, like, I guess, semi-emotional moments. There was like a decent plot. It just, I think the biggest thing is, is just it didn't need to exist. I don't think it really adds anything to like the A Quiet Place story. Like it, it feels like a filler arc almost, but it's a movie. Um, and it's supposedly part two. So like I thought it would like, I guess be, I, I, I guess I just thought it would be more important. Uh, this movie kind of fills in the gap of what I would have expected to happen in the future after the first movie, but doesn't do anything really interesting in it. So, yeah. That's, uh, I'm a little surprised to hear you say that. I don't know exactly what I thought you were going to say, but I thought (laughs) that, like, you were going to have a much more positive opinion of this movie than I was. And, like, ultimately, I mean, I think my opinion is still probably more negative than yours. I hated this movie. But, like, when it comes right down to it, I mostly hated it because I didn't think it needed to exist and I didn't think it did anything interesting with the material. And I thought that the that like all of the good parts of this movie are contained in the first 15 minutes. So like it sounds like our opinions are fairly similar, at least in content. Just uh Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I disliked well, it more, but I also don't like John Krasinski. So like <laughs> wait, that's as a part person? of it. Uh, more as a person than as anything else. Like I think, oh. I think he's an okay filmmaker. Like he's very competent as a filmmaker, and like he's he's a he's got like good dialogue and stuff. I think he's fine as a filmmaker. I think he is a bad person. Oh wait, yeah. is this? Oh hi, I actually have no idea. I don't think he's a great person, but like because I, I I kind of agree in that. Like I don't. I think he's trying to come off as like more of a like maybe an auteur or something like that but i i personally feel like once he leaves the a quiet place franchise he's probably not going to be able to do much else with it like i kind of think directing career yeah i kind of think that like john krasinski is a very competent director and a very good actor and people and like i think that while he's not doing it as overtly as other people from the office he is riding the office success train until he dies. Like, mm. I think that part of the reason that A Quiet Place d- did as well as it did wasn't that A Quiet Place is a very decent, is a very good movie. It's the fact that people were like, wow, Jim from The Office can direct? And like, it's sort of, I, I, to me, it seems like his entire career is subverted is like surprising people with the fact that yes i can actually do things in this industry (laughs) and like that's not impressive i mean i guess it's impressive enough because 0.1 percent of people on earth are actually any any good at anything in the film industry if that but like just being able to be in the film industry isn't impressive against other people who are really good at what they do in the film industry in my opinion yeah and i feel like that's kind of that's just the impression i get from john krasinski also he did a whole also he did that whole some good news thing which makes me think he's a cynical hypocrite oh like yeah that was a little that was a little weird like how he sold off like what his youtube channel basically 
Yeah, oh, and while right. I could go into lots about that, we do want to talk about the quiet place, and we only have a couple of minutes to do it. So let's yeah. let's uh, let's swing back to that. I mean, yeah, I agree with your thoughts. I I don't I just don't like it. Wasn't like a horrible like I was I was never really like extremely bored during it, and I don't think like there was any like scenes that were terrible or anything. I just thought it was like mediocre, right? So I give well, it like think- a five or something like that, but. Yeah, um, I can understand if like, because were you like hyped for this movie or what? No, no, friends of mine were, but like, oh, okay. I think I think I pretty much agree with you on that because like, there was as I say, he's a competent director and a really good actor. There's most of the scenes in this, if you take just the scene, are pretty good. Like when he does have the monsters attack, those are well choreographed, well shot scenes, mm-hmm. and like. He knows how to put a ca- he knows how to place a camera, which sounds like faint praise, but it really isn't. Like that's not a hard thing. That's not an easy thing to do. So like he knows what he's doing. I just don't think he really brings any vision to it personally. I think this is a creatively pretty bankrupt movie. However, it's very competently made. Yeah. I, I see him maybe having <laughs> a Marvel movie in the future. I think he'd actually be pretty good at that. Oh, he'd be uh, great kind of as an actor in a Marvel. Yeah, he'd be great as an actor in a Marvel movie, and I can definitely see him directing something. I don't know mm-hmm. what it would be. I don't think he's directing the next Eternals anytime soon. But like, I can see him directing like I don't know something along the lines in quality in any any way. Like, if he gets the right fit, he could direct something as good as the second Captain America movie, for example. Mm. Yeah, possible. I was going to say more like maybe Spider-Man or something like Spider-Man Homecoming or something like that. Seems like. Yeah, but Spider-Man is sacred and I don't want John Krasinski touching I'm, Spider-Man. Uh, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I don't want him touching it either. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think uh, it'll be interesting, I guess, to see what he picks next and if he's able to. Because also, well, also notably, he wrote on this movie, too. I think that's why the script really faltered, um, because I guess he just can't write he can write dialogue like you said but he has you're right he has no vision i think i think i guess that really just sums up what's wrong with this movie so uh let's summarize this movie but what i'm gonna ask you is say say one really good thing about it and one thing that isn't necessarily really bad but like one thing he could improve on something good something bad uh, and then we'll give it scores okay i liked i just like seeing cillian murphy in anything um i think he's an underrated actor and uh, and he, I, I think he he has a lot of screen presence, which I liked. So I liked him. Um, something wait, so something not negative, but something that could have been improved on. Like it could be negative if you want it to be. It doesn't have to be. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask okay. this for all of the movies. So like I don't want to say if if one of these movies is a five out of five is a five star movie for you, you don't have to say something negative. You just have to say something they can improve on. Um, I guess they could have improved on like none of the characters had any arcs. I guess I try to just kind of makes it more like the filler or whatever, but like the whole B plot uh, was basically pointless. Um, and the A plot, Cillian Murphy's character is the only one that, that really progressed as a person, but his character arc was done after like the first act. So um, yeah. Oh, okay. One thing they could have improved on was the world building. I thought they had a lot of potential here and they never did that. So there you go. And I'll give it like a five out of 10, maybe a four. Uh, I fully agree with both of those things, so I'm going to try and find different things to say. 
the first thing I want to highlight is you said Celian Murphy. I agree. I think Millicent Simmons also did really, really well as the main character mm-hmm. of this movie. Uh, she's the she's John Krasinski's daughter. Um, mm-hmm. What I'm going to say is the first 15 minutes of this movie are, in my opinion, um, one like probably the best scenes of the franchise. Like I don't, I wouldn't say that the first 15 minutes of this movie are better than the whole of the last movie, but they are like, if they were in the last movie, they would be the best scene of the last movie. Okay. Uh, What they could have improved on the entire ending plot with uh, Jimon Hansu's character and where they go to a small Island off the coast. uh, It's just wasted. Like, I don't even know the point. Doesn't mean it doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, it makes sense. It's just like there's no point in including it, in my opinion. Yeah, not really. And I'm going to call this, I mean, uh, with the same faint praise that you gave it, more or less, I'm going to give this a four out of 10 because I just, I wasn't excited for this movie and I didn't like it that much. But ultimately, like, it's fine. So I'm going to give it a four. Cool. Uh, All right. What is our next movie? Pause for effect. We're going to talk about a Marvel movie that we never got to talk about yet. This is Black Widow. You don't know everything about me. The Avengers weren't my first family. At some point, we all have to choose between what the world wants you to be. That that is definitely one of the Marvel movies. Well, I guess the first Marvel movie in like technically what like almost two years, right? So that was I think cool. it's like almost that. two yeah. years. I think it was like maybe a little because uh, Far From Home came out like July, mid July, and uh, Black Widow came out first week of July. So maybe like fifty one weeks or no, one hundred and three weeks later. Anyway, yeah. Um. Yeah. What, what, what do you you go first now? What did you think of Black Widow? Initial thoughts. So <laughs> this movie, I feel like this movie wanted me to hate it so much, and it did. Like the first couple, the first, the opening scenes of this movie were so bad, and then it did kind of redeem itself a little bit. But ultimately, like I would put it in the lower tier of like I would put it in the lower parts of the mid tier Marvel movie. Like, this isn't absolute trash, like something like Thor 2, but it's, like, it's it's down there with Thor 1 as, like, it's watchable, it's fine, I guess, but it's not special. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I think a lot of these movies, I mean, a lot of the movies we're talking about are, I think, have a running theme of, like, they're just, like, it's a, I, don't, I don't really understand what they're really offering, you know? Like, Black Widow, uh, you know, I guess... Uh, you know the character's dead, right? In the canon, so mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, okay, if this is, if if they already killed her off and they're bringing her back for this movie and it's a prequel, this must be a really interesting story that they're setting up, right? Um, and maybe because it, it's the first film in Phase Four, technically, it would it might have like some cool repercussions for like the rest of the Marvel universe or whatever. Um, this is largely a pretty standalone movie, honestly. Which doesn't, which isn't really a bad thing, but it's just like it. It also didn't really add anything to the Black Widow character that I mean, anyone really needed. 
like yeah the black widow character like it was almost like she was a side character in her own movie honestly because she was robbed of a lot of the charisma i think and uh personality that she had in some of the other movies and uh mm-hmm. like her the side characters really shown a lot harder like uh florence florence Pugh, uh who plays i guess the new black widow uh, uh was- yelena Yelena was definitely like a big highlight and I'm really excited to see her future uh, in the Marvel universe. And uh, what's his name? Like American David Harbour. David, yeah. <laughs> you already know who David Harbour was also a really big highlight. Um, I just love him and I guess everything I've seen him in. So I'm excited for those. But yeah, overall it's just, it was, it was a pretty boring movie and I think they like, it was just like a lot of wasted potential, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Like there was a good movie in there, I think potentially it just it felt really lazy and like not well put together so like yeah it's a it's a little sad because my favorite part of this movie was david harbour and like i hate that this is like marvel's big female superhero movie i mean captain marvel was their first one but this is the one that they've to some degree been building up for 11 years and like when it finally comes out Scarlett Johansson's not the interesting part of this movie. It's David Harbour. And like, good job, Marvel. I mean, on the one hand, great that they made a really memorable side character. But as you said, Black Widow is like barely the lead in her own movie. I mean, she is, but she's not the interesting part. And no. it's pretty sad, especially because... Um, as you said, this is a filler episode. Or, well, no, I, I said that in my, in my head. You <laughs> said that this is a standalone. Um, but like... It basically is filler. Honestly, you you yeah. said like, th- this has got to be some... This has got to be like a really interesting story from the past if we're bringing back this character who's dead and like, you know, talking about her past. Weirdly enough, and I'm far from the first person to say this, this movie is the sequel to a more interesting story that does not exist. Because this whole movie is about the aftermath of the infamous Budapest mission that, like, they talk about in Avengers 1 and then never actually elaborate on. And then in this movie, they talk about it and they never elaborate on it. And, like, as much as I liked the characters in this movie and I like what they were going for, that would have been a more interesting movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, um, what, what I like about this movie is that this is a movie about family, which is, uh, it's one of two movies. I guess it's one of three movies, four movies. All the movies today have a running theme that they're about family. And this movie communicates it really well because the whole emphasis of the movie is on the family dynamic of, like, Black Widow and her found family, like, because none of them are actually related. Yeah. And, like how that family dynamic has shaped her entire life as well as the lives of the other people within that unit. And that's a cool concept. It's a really good concept that I don't think Marvel has tackled or Marvel doesn't have a movie that really tackles that in a good way yet. And this movie does. It's just that most of the movie isn't actually that good. Like the elements that deal with the family are good, but they're wrapped in a story that's not interesting. Yeah, no, the, well, the family parts were like hundred, like hundred percent, like 
some big highlights uh, overall, mm-hmm. right? And we didn't get too many of those moments. And also those, uh, the moments that we did get didn't really like pay off in the end. Like I'm personally like a big fan of like seeing how like like the climax is kind of like the culmination of the whole movie, right? And like I thought like the family element would have played a bigger role in like I guess the third act, if that makes sense. But like they. They just can't like they were split up in the whole third act and they didn't work together at all. And I'm not like, going to say they completely forgot about it, but they almost did because they were working together. But they were all, like you said, split up like they weren't working together as a family unit. Incredible style. Yeah, they I'm were working together like Mission Impossible style, which is fine mm-hmm. in a Mission Impossible movie, but not in a movie about family. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was just like a lot of build or no, actually no, not really much build up. The third act kind of comes out of nowhere too. And it's way too big for like the type of movie it should have been, which was like maybe more grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, what I really like, I mean, you mentioned, I think you mentioned mission impossible. Like, I think this could have been a very good comparison movie, uh, like, like taking a lot of influence from mission impossible. But what I love about mission impossible lately is that their third acts, uh, have have been like contracting into like very more much more personal uh climaxes if that makes sense mm-hmm. um and a lot more gritty right where this the third act in this was just like like ridiculous it was like a transformers third act almost where like there's tons of explosions nothing's making any sense uh they they try to add some character moments in like there's a taskmaster's like if you can even call it like character arc was kind of one of the climax let me just say I am really dis- I don't know much about Taskmaster the character but just as like a, a villain in itself Taskmaster was uh, sidelined completely and despite some really cool scenes at the start didn't do anything like you know, for the rest of the movie you know what would have fixed that without even much effort throughout the entire movie David Harbour well not throughout the entire movie but when we meet David Harbour's character in the present or in what this movie considers the present. He's talking about how he used to fight Captain America all the time, which is clearly a lie. But, like, he really wants to fight Captain America. Like, he is the biggest Captain America fan as a villain. And, like, Taskmaster is a character who, when we're introduced to Taskmaster, Taskmaster is fighting like Captain America. When the two of them fight, why don't we just have him have David Harbour fight Captain America surrogate? That would have, that would have like, it would have still kind of sidelined Taskmaster, but it would have given Taskmaster more to do in that Taskmaster would have been the culmination of David Harbour's character's arc, which to right now, like, I think he does fight Taskmaster at the end, but it sort of feels hollow because it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And then his other arc of trying to bring his family together doesn't really lead anywhere either. He doesn't really do anything to like, unite his family he's just kind of there i thought there was going to be much more payoff in terms of him like uh you know i guess being a or fulfilling the father role that he always kind of regretted he didn't i guess mm-hmm. um but yeah i so yeah it's it's uh kind of disappointing um or very disappointing i think black widow's departure in avengers endgame was like a much better send-off in so many ways um and uh so yeah it's i i mean i don't i don't hate this movie like i don't i don't wish it didn't exist it doesn't because it doesn't really affect the marvel universe i just 
you know, it's just a lot of wasted potential. Yeah. Same, same thing with the quiet place. They, like these movies don't really need to exist. They're just kind of yeah. there. So, yeah. Um, um you want to go? I would say, yeah, yeah, I'll go first. I would say like the good of this movie. I think that every time it, tr- it actually played into the family dynamic, it did it very well. I would say individually, those scenes are like, Certainly better at communicating that this particular point of like family being important than maybe any other Marvel movie with Mm -hmm. the caveat that like other Marvel movies aren't about that. So they don't need to be good at that necessarily. But this movie like set out to do that. And it was very good at that. Um, What the bad here is uh, I'm going to reveal some behind the scenes stuff. We were briefly contemplating doing episodes like not even on movies, but on TV shows back when Marvel started putting out TV shows, because the beginnings of some of those were really good. But the one that I'm specifically talking Uh, about by the end, it just devolves into another big monster fight. And I'm saying monster fight is a general term here, but like Marvel has to stop doing that. Sometimes it makes sense when the Avengers get together to fight all of space, then yeah, the ending should be them fighting all of space. But when there's a movie that's like Black Widow needs to get her family together, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for the last part of it to be them going to the biggest helicopter that has ever existed (laughs) and destroying it. That doesn't make a lot of sense. There's just kind of no point. And then fallen like like 5,000 feet or something and being totally fine at the bottom. (laughs) The point is that it undercuts the movie. And like... Marvel, like the big climaxes, they have to be earned and not just with a good movie. Like the movie has to build up to those if you want to use them. If you don't, then don't build up, then don't have those. Like Mm. uh, one of the, one other thing I would say uh, from the Marvel movie, from the Marvel TV shows, my personal favorite so far is Captain America is uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier which ends in a very personal fight between like two people. And I think it's like spread out. So there's like three different fights happening between groups of two people, but mm-hmm. like they're just these small personal fights that have been built up to the, the whole series as the series as a whole, isn't like perfect or anything, but like it earns its ending. Even if it's ending, even if it doesn't quite stick the landing, it earns its ending a lot more than the end of WandaVision, which is a big monster fight. And um, I actually can't say anything bad about the end of Loki. That one like stuck the landing perfectly. But um, like, that's what I would say here. I think that my biggest complaint with this movie is the biggest complaint that I'm going to have with almost any Marvel movie. Mm. Fair uh, enough. And Except I would for like this Civil one. War. Sorry? Oh man. Sorry. No, was, like Civil War was like, like the epitome of what you're saying, like a personal fight at the end. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, yeah. Civil War, the Captain America movies do it really, really well, in my opinion. Yeah. But anyway, um, I guess I would give this one, I don't know. I guess I'll give it a four out of 10 again. It's just another movie where, like, I don't understand why it needs to be around. And mm-hmm. for, for the few things that I think it did very well, I think it's just sort of a filler movie that I'm not, that, like, I'm going to forget about in a couple of years. Well, not really, because it's impossible to forget that Marvel movies exist. But, like, mm. we're not going to remember much of this movie. It doesn't mean much. Yeah, I'll agree about, like, well, I guess I'll say, like, uh, I really liked, um, like I said, the family stuff. Some of the action scenes at the start were choreographed really well, too. Like, the first fight between Yelena and uh, Black Widow was, like, 
really well done. It felt so gritty and raw compared to like <laughs> the rest of the movie. Um, mm. And then, uh, yeah, stuff they could improve on is, yeah. Uh, I guess I'll say, in this case, I, uh, probably just like the Natasha character. Because honestly, like, she's like one of, after Avengers Endgame, she was like 100% one of my favorite Avengers, right? Mm. Um, and uh, it was just really disappointing to see like one of my favorite characters just really, I guess, kind of drawn back and uh, given a, a lamer finale. Uh, so, so yeah. Um, also, uh, uh, the other thing is like they could have cut some stuff. Like there's that one, char- you know, that one character that she's like friends with or whatever. Oh, the, and- I, I just have, I, I've just been thinking of him like Drebin in my, in Metal Gear Solid 4. But the thing is that Drebin has more reason to be there in his game. This character just comes out of nowhere. I don't even know his name. He just exists. He's her drug dealer, I guess. No, plane dealer. <laughs> yeah. He just hooks her up with planes and stuff, and he has n- literally no other purpose of the movie. And at the end, or I guess, uh, I, I can't really say it, but anyways, it just they literally could have cut like his character completely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And also, uh, uh, what's the big guy? The big villain. I mean, all the villains in this were pretty wasted. Even, like, the guy they were building up this whole time, Dracov, was, like, just very stereotypical uh, evil villain. Didn't really have it much sounds like sounds like he was a character who would have been really interesting back in the infamous Budapest mission. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and he didn't necessarily seem, like, that smart. Like, you'd expect almost, like, a Nick Fury-type guy, but... Just seemed kind of stupid, but anyways, yeah, I'll give it like a. I'd, I'd say it was enjoyable, like maybe like a five point five. It was definitely better. I liked it more than a Quiet Place. Um, That's but, fair. So I'll rank it there. What's I think I would uh, agree with liking it more than a Quiet Place, but I gave both of them the same score because it really mm-hmm. wasn't that much competition between them, yeah. in my opinion. <laughs> That's fair. At least not for me. Uh, All right. Okay, so we got uh, what's next? It's I'm Batman. excited for this one. This is this is Fast Nine, the Fast Saga. The world has a way of changing, but there's one thing that always stays the same. You miss the old life. Do you? Every day. Crank it all the way up. So, uh, some people, longtime listeners might remember that, like, uh, at the beginning of the, um, man, we never came up with a code name for pandemic. We've just been calling it pandemic. At the beginning of the pandemic, uh, we did an episode where we just, like, talked about the state of Hollywood. And in that episode, I don't know if you remember this, Pierre, but in that episode, I did, like, probably a half hour tangent just talking about the timeline of the fast and the furious movies and like selling you on how much I loved them because mm. at the time, I don't know how much this came across. Cause I haven't listened back to the episode in a while. I was really upset that fast nine had been delayed because like um, <laughs> that, that was actually the moment when I started taking this pandemic seriously because it was still very early on. And I was like, ah, I'm sure it'll be over in two weeks, but then they delayed fast nine and I'm like, Oh no, this is serious. This is real. A year, like a full year. I was really surprised. Um, I am happy to say that I loved this movie a lot. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to guess by that that you probably didn't. 
Uh, do you want me to talk about it first, or you want to go yeah, first? Yeah, you go first. I want to hear what you say. All right. I love this movie. I think it's probably my third favorite Fast, Fast and the Furious movie of, of the ones I've seen. Maybe Tokyo Drift is one I like a little better. Um, I will admit it's not like... I, I put it at my third favorite because there are two movies in the Fast and the Furious saga that I think are like legitimately some of the best franchise movies I've ever seen. I'm like, this is one below both of those movies. Um, so what I like about this movie is, you know, like all the other Fast and the Furious movies, or since five, I guess, it goes balls to the wall with everything they're doing. They literally go to space in this movie. I won't spoil necessarily how, but like it happens. And it's, and it's also like, in, I, I'm pretty sure this is part of the thing they use to market this. Like they're going to space, baby, and they do it. <laughs> uh, man, what is the, what's the line? I think it's uh, two guys from the hood in space. Yeah, yeah. It's No one's going to believe us. Yeah, exactly. And like, um, so like, I just like how insane this movie is. And also, um, I'm not going to like, before you think that I just like this movie because it's insanely fun, and you would be right, I like this movie because it is insanely fun. I think the reason this ranks number three on uh, when it comes to the Fast and Furious franchise for me, the reason it ranks so high is that I think there's a legitimately really good story being told here. Like, not necessarily throughout the whole movie. It is the B-plot, technically. But it's, like, the main story between uh, Dominic Toretto and Jacob Toretto is really good. Um, so, up until this point, uh, Dominic Toretto... It's, it's actually kind of an interesting character thing for him, because Dominic Toretto, uh, Vin Diesel places so much emphasis on family but up until this point like it's clearly his found family and so in this movie it's about like him and his brother who has never been in a movie of these before uh just like out of nowhere he's got a brother that he didn't tell anybody about and so it makes him seem like a huge hypocrite when he's like oh family is really important to me and there's just a brother that he's never talked about <laughs> and so like out of nowhere, like just by having that plot point, this movie has to justify why we've never heard about John Cena, uh, Jacob Toretto in this universe before. Yeah. And I think it does an okay job of doing that because like the main plot of this movie is the backstory of Dominic Toretto, which surprisingly we've never gotten before. Like there's been hints to it. Like, oh, when he was a kid, he beat up this other kid or something with a wrench. Um, he went to jail for a bit. He's clearly a criminal. Um, but like, we've never gotten to learn about who Dominic Toretto's, you know, like what his story is as a child and what, what, what makes a man drive. And so like, this movie goes through that and the, um, the people that they picked to play young Dominic Toretto and young Jacob Toretto are like, giving 110%. The, the backstory of this, like if you just cut together the flashbacks that show the backstory of Dominic Toretto and his brother, like that would be an incredible short film. Well, mm. it would be a little long. It would be like probably close to an hour, but it would be incredible, I think. Yeah. And like, that's what I really like about this movie is that plot between those two characters. 
I think they sell it really well. Like, I think they acted out really well in the flashbacks. And Vin Diesel and John Cena have the type of chemistry that I would require them to have to take that to take that plot as seriously as I need to. More importantly, I think John Cena playing a billionaire playboy evil Iron Man basically is like a really cool role for him. And uh, I think John Cena knocked it out of the park. So far this year, uh, my favorite supporting actor performances I've seen have all been John Cena. And like that will change by the time the Oscars come around. I'm sure it will. But I really like John Cena, like getting into acting. I think he's like an extremely charismatic performer. I really hope that he has what it takes to become the next, the next Dwayne Johnson. Uh, I hope he doesn't become. I I, I want him to be better than <laughs> Dwayne Johnson, honestly. Um, but you know what I'm saying, right? There. Yeah, like, no, like a really big the actor. Charis- the charismatic, big-time Hollywood actor. I hope he yeah. has what it takes to do that, because so far, uh, like his first two roles right now, I like better than any recent Dwayne Johnson roles I've seen. And like, mm. I'm not saying Dwayne Johnson's fallen off. I, have, I still enjoy seeing him, but the roles of his that I like best are, at the moment, a bit in the past. Yeah, okay. Wait, sorry, I zoned out for the last... <laughs> I zoned out for the last sentence there, what'd you say? Oh, I was saying, like, at the moment, uh, I really... I do still really like Dwayne Johnson, but right now, oh. I would say that my favorite roles of his are in the past, where John oh, Cena okay. comes out swinging pretty much right... These aren't his first two film roles, mm-hmm. but these are, like, his two... His first two really big film roles, and... These are already two of, like, these, these are two roles that I would already put, it, it, like, how, how much I liked them rates up there with how much I liked Dwayne Johnson in what I oh, would okay. consider his best roles. So, like, right, so about, like John, what was his best, though? Like, Pain Dwayne and Gain? Johnson, I know you liked him and, in that. Yeah, Pain and Gain is my favorite Dwayne Johnson role. And I would say, oh, okay. like, beyond that, Fighting With My Family, he's really good. He's really mm. good in Fast and the Furious. Um, mm. I would say that, like, if John Cena keeps up the momentum that he has right now and keeps getting really good roles, like, I assume he must have a good agent. I really hope that, like, I really hope he keeps that up. And, like, I hope that he has what it takes to become as big a name as Dwayne Johnson, because, like you were saying, like, to amend my earlier statement, I guess, and just, like, deal yours, he could be better. He just has to, like, get his name to be that big. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, yeah, I, I'd say he was like a, a, he's a welcome addition to the crew, uh, to the family. Um, and definitely probably one of the highlights. I just, I guess I wish he had more like screen time, at least in like the first two acts. Uh, there's like, I want to say like the, the flat in the flash, like the flashback actor for, for, uh, his name's John, right? Wait, what's his name? Jacob. Yeah, Jacob, Jacob. Uh, the flashbacks for Jacob, like the flashback actor, had more scenes than John Cena, like more, more presence uh, than John Cena did at the in the first two acts because there's like a lot of flashbacks, which I, I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say this movie was bad. I, I'd say like it's it's enjoyable. I, I'd probably rank it above the the other two movies just 
not necessarily because it's better, but like it's kind of playing into expectations, obviously. Um, I just say, like, I think the biggest issue is that it's just really poorly paced. Um, I think the story's all right, and I don't mind like the ridiculous stunts and stuff. Um, there's some really funny ones like throughout the movie. Uh, you know, they they play a lot with like this electromagnet, which they keep finding clever ways to use. Um, they got a magnet plane. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, and then like uh, like there's some cool there's some really cool action like or set pieces uh, throughout the movie like that. I guess make it a lot because this is basically like the characters are going from set piece to set piece, uh, mm-hmm. and the story is just kind of linking it together to to keep some semblance of plot going. But yeah, I I just like they could have probably this could have been like a two hour movie um, if they cut like fifteen twenty minutes out. I think it would have been paced a lot better. There's just some scenes that are really unnecessary, um, and it's like like for example, uh, this is in the trailer, so it's not a spoiler in my opinion. So like bringing Han back was like when he came back. There's like there was like this huge exposition scene. Um, I wouldn't have minded if they. I mean, I guess it was kind of important for the plot, but. I think it would have just been nice if they were just like hey han's back like he was alive this whole time uh to like avoid stuff like that um and uh like they could have cut out some characters like i think the the two villains was kind of annoying like i think they could have cut out at least like Otto was just a really annoying character i didn't like him at all and he wasn't fun to watch um and i don't i still don't understand why uh that blonde chicks in this movie, uh, Charlize Theron. I hate, I hate her in these movies so much. <laughs> There's that. You remember that that dialogue scene where they're talking about like Star Wars to. Like, it was so and, weird. It was such a bad scene because like they're they're just making the most like surface level Star Wars references, but like these are like two like supposedly criminal masterminds uh, talking to each other. So yeah, that was very interesting. Um, but yeah, I like it, it's not a bad movie. Uh, just say shorten it, shorten it. Maybe play more into the the stupidness of it. Um, it's like they were trying to to over explain things to to make people feel like, oh, okay, it's like kind of grounded. It's not grounded. Like, stop trying. So <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, yeah, that's that's my like. Just if you're gonna get crazy with it, commit to that. And uh. I think it would have been better, but yeah, this is. I think this is a step up, definitely, maybe from Fast Eight, especially because I thought losing The Rock was going to be like a a pretty big hit to the franchise. Um, I think, I think that losing The Rock kind of still is because I think that this franchise is best when it plays into the ridiculousness, and it doesn't have to. I think that I think the grounded parts of this movie were actually very good. The grounded parts mostly being the flashbacks. And that's what Vin Diesel wants to do. But I get the impression that, like, well, I get the impression that's what Vin Diesel wants to do. Whereas The Rock really wants to play into the ridiculousness of it. And, like, the thing is, even if Vin Diesel wants to play into, like, the more serious aspects, I think that era of Fast and Furious is kind of behind them. So I think that losing The Rock, who's interested in making a more goofy franchise, is still a big hit for them. Yeah, like I, I, I appreciate that they, I guess, spun it off so they can both, like, I guess, try their own thing. Hobbs and Shaw really does need the entire group, though. I'm not gonna lie. Like, it's their character, like they're they're much better side characters than they are main characters. 
Um, and the, even though, because I love them in Fast 8. They were by far the best part of Fast 8, those two. Um, but then when they brought them into their own movie, it didn't really work as well as I'd like. And then this movie, like, I'd say it does, I, I, it does better than I thought it would, um, because I don't really like the main cast, if I'm going to be honest. Uh, but it's, they, I guess they sort of had, like, a decent, um, I guess, what recovery from that and they only have one movie left so it's not like they gotta we gotta watch like five more movies with vin diesel as the star uh so yeah it's it's kind of a bump up it's i'd say it's definitely worse than like it's probably more in like the middle to lower tier of fast movies for me though i really like like fast five six seven are all better than this um maybe like equivalent to four i'd say i don't really remember four that well so one good thing, one thing they could improve, oh. and then a rating. Uh, one good thing, um, I liked that. Uh, uh, you go first. I gotta think about mine. Okay, so my good thing here is I love that. Well, I mean, I already said how much I love the flashbacks, but like, I love that first scene again. They just like jump straight into somewhere in Central America going on a weird mission where they're all in sports cars driving away from tanks and there's a magnet plane. That's stupid. I love it a lot. Uh, I think that the ridiculousness of this movie is its greatest strength right next to that flashback subplot, which is its actual greatest strength. Um, The uh, one thing they could improve in this movie as someone who does enjoy this series and who like this is this is a franchise that I hold in very high regard enough fan service not every movie needs to have helen mirren honestly as much as i'm as much as han is a good character i did not need him in this movie uh you don't need to make sure that you always have a jason statham moment like keep this movie focused because it loses like uh, these Fast and the Furious movies lose a lot by trying to have such a huge cast. For example, uh, Jordana Brewster, who plays Dominic Toretto's sister, and Michelle Rodriguez, who plays Letty, Dominic Toretto's wife. They have almost nothing to do in this movie. They are boring characters and I don't like them. That is not on the actresses. They're doing awesome. That is the fact that they have nothing to do in this movie. And like, I really hate that. I think that the movie is really underserving them. And the reason is because they have to incorporate three different teams of main characters, plus add in all these cameos. They don't have to do that. And I think the movie would be stronger if they didn't. It also would have cut easy, an easy 30 minutes off the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that, that was kind of like in the second act when they all split up. There, there was a lot of like... Like, it was like they needed them to do something, so they just kind of gave them random stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Okay, uh, my good thing is probably... Uh, I liked the... I liked... Okay, I really like the action set pieces. There's that one scene where What's-Her-Name, the, the hacker chick, uh, is, like... It's, like, her first time driving or something like that. That was a really fun scene to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and probably like probably one of like my favorite set pieces from the movies in a while. Um, so that was cool. Something you could improve on is just probably like, um, yeah, like 
just maybe pacing, cutting cutting a few scenes here and there. Uh, and um, yeah, I don't know. And yeah, I'd give it a, a six. Uh, I'm going to give this one... I'm going to give this one a solid seven. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it a lot. Uh, I think that... I, I, I do legitimately think it's one of the better Fast and the Furious movies, for me anyway. But like... It has some it has some issues and like I wish they would fix those going forward. Well they got one more movie to fix them. But one yeah. la- we'll oh, see. and one last movie to talk about, which is not Fast and the Furious. This one, oh man. This one is like uh, this is one that we have to talk about in detail a lot a, a lot later. But like we don't have to talk about this movie in detail. We got to talk about the classic movie it's based on in detail later. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about Space Jam, A New Legacy. Oh, boy. Everybody get up. It's time to slam now. We got the real jam going down. Welcome to the Space Jam. Here's your chance. Do your dance at the Space Jam. All right. All right. Uh, this is probably one of the worst movies I've seen in theaters in a long time. Oh, wow, uh, you went to theaters to see this one. I did, yeah, and I guess I regret it for I regret doing that because it it is not good. Um, I'm a big Looney Tunes fan. I've basically, I don't think I've ever seen, like, a piece of content I didn't like from them. Um, just because, like, like, even if the plots aren't great, I think the, the characters and the chemistry are just, like, endlessly hilarious. Um, this movie did not feel like a, a Looney Tunes movie. And uh, it was it was more like a LeBron James movie. I'm gonna be honest. I don't really care about LeBron James. And, Did you uh, get the impression that like it actively didn't want to be a Looney Tunes movie? Yeah, like it, it's it's like um, I saw this cool comment on Reddit where they were saying it's basically like two movies kind of stitched together. Where you have LeBron has like a character arc where he is kind of mean to his son or judging his son for not wanting to play basketball. And then eventually he learns to appreciate his son's his own person, like very cliche plot, but, but then yeah, it's like they had that. And then they just, the Looney Tunes plot where like the Looney Tunes are all separated and they want to bring them back together again to become family is the, this kind of the B plot. Uh, and they just feel really distant and um, they have like, like, there's no real emotional connection, I guess, for, like, Bugs Bunny and LeBron James to be working together, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, in the first movie, like, it, it was kind of convoluted, obviously, to, like, find a plot reason for Michael Jordan to play basketball with the Looney Tunes, right? But, like, they had a similar goal, which was uh, Michael Jordan was just helping them out with, like, not going to... Like being imprisoned or whatever, right? Um, being cartoon prisoners, and uh, well, they were gonna go to they were gonna be uh, prisoners in Moron Mountain. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot it was called Moron Mountain. That sounds really funny uh, now that I hear it. But yeah, it's like I don't know. This movie just tried so hard to have like an emotional arc, and uh, like it, it felt like it was trying to be really hip too at the same time. And none of it worked. Like, it felt like it was written by 50-year-olds for 10-year-olds. Um, and, uh, uh, like, I don't really care about a strong emotional arc in my Looney Tunes movies. 
uh, I just want it to be fun. And this movie wasn't really fun because the Looney Tunes never really had much moments to shine. And uh, again, like the, the emotional arc was, it was like it was written for five-year-olds. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not so, a good movie. I'm going to agree with some of what you said there and disagree with some of it as well. Uh, but the, the thing is, um, well, I also didn't like this movie. I think that the original Space Jam is actually incredible. Like, I understand when people say it's not a good movie, but I think that there is so much love that goes into that movie, and there's so much good about it that, like, I cannot, in good conscience, rate it anything less than a 10 out of 10, the original Space Jam. Not even kidding. I can this see that, honestly, Jam, yeah. This Space Jam movie feels a little soulless, but I say that, like, I don't say that firmly because, you know, there are movies that feel like no love went into them. This movie had at least a lot of thought that went into it. And I feel like a lot of that got dropped before when it actually went into production. But like, you can't make Space Jam 2 exactly the same thing as Space Jam. And what I really respect about this movie is that it didn't try to. Because the first Space Jam movie is a very personal story about... Michael Jordan, and it like fictionalizes a real event in Michael Jordan's career. Now, obviously, that real event isn't that Michael Jordan like went to space and jammed, but like it does actually have a lot of emotional weight sort of hinging on do you know about this part of Michael Jordan's career? Because this is kind of what he was mentally going through. And like that's really cool. LeBron James is not the same. And that's fine. We don't need that movie again because that you can't make Space Jam, you can't make Space Jam Two personal to a different person in the same way as Space Jam One was. I think that the decision to go with with LeBron James trying to connect with his son is a good decision on paper because it keeps it still emotional and like linked specifically to this player while being. Uh, while being different at its core than Space Jam 1. Um, beyond that, I think that there are some interesting things like, you know, LeBron James has turned into a cartoon. I think that's a, you know, pretty easy way to differentiate from the first one where you have cartoon LeBron James. I'm going to be honest, I wish it had been a little... I, I wish that... Uh, they'd done that a lot more. Like, I wish that the climax of this movie was had cartoon LeBron James um, in, in more capacity instead of just turning him into a real person and all the Looney Tunes into 3D fellas. Um, but, like, I guess at that point, that's kind of all I can say about this because the soulless part of this is that uh, there's a lot of references in this movie that exist simply because they're references. Uh, they have the they have Granny from Looney Tunes in the Matrix. Why? Just because? Just because they thought it would be funny? Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't play into anything. Doesn't play into the plot. And there's no good jokes based on it. It's just there. Um, they go to a bunch of different worlds. Why? They don't do anything with them. Um, they have a Rick and Morty cameo in this. Why? Oh God. Who cares? Because it's funny. Rick and Morty is a good thing. And so like. <laughs> I don't know. It's just that, like, I feel like on paper, some of the decisions that went into this movie are very good. 
in execution, none of them worked, unfortunately. Like LeBron James, I hate to say this, is not a good actor. I hope he will get good. He will get better. I actually loved him in Trainwreck. I didn't like him in this movie. And when he was voicing his cartoon counterpart, it was very bad. Um, the different worlds just kind of made me want Looney Tunes back in action because that's a really good plot for Looney Tunes back in action too, going through all the different Warner Brothers worlds that they yeah, own now. That as a movie by itself would actually be amazing, I think. Um, and that's kind of it. Like, I don't even know what good I have to say, but I liked Don Cheadle in this. I don't think this was one of his best roles by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination, but like, I liked him in it. <laughs> Don Cheadle was such a weird casting choice. I don't know what the because I've never seen Don Cheadle and like not in like a a really like like not a straight man if that makes sense. Like he's a very good straight man, I'd say, because he's just like a very neutral like actor. Um, I, why did they pick him for this? It made no sense to me. Um, there's so many other actors that felt like it, it, they would have fit this role way more than him and. Uh, Probably been more appealing, like, especially because like like kids aren't gonna go watch a movie because Don Cheadle's in it too, you know. Um, I'm surprised they didn't pick someone like, uh, like a comedian or something like that, you know, like someone that would have really played into the goofiness. Don Cheadle tried though, honestly, he tried his heart out. I really respect that. I really do think that Don Cheadle is like one of the, is probably the best part of this movie. He's really? not necessarily a good part of this movie, but he's like. <laughs> He's one of the best parts. Yeah. Because, like, he's trying. Um, he's, they don't write him anything good, but he definitely tries. Yeah. Well, there's, there's not many people that could say the dialogue he said and made it, like, any sort of, like, believable or good. Um, and he definitely made it listenable. So. Yeah. That's a good thing. He, he did pretty good considering what he was given. Um. But yeah, also like as well as like the Looney Tunes themselves too. I was just really disappointed because I feel like I didn't really get many much Looney Tunes content in this, and like a lot of the characters. Like I was really annoyed that Daffy for some reason was not playing basketball. He was the coach, or he didn't really do anything. Um, Bugs and this felt like oddly uncharismatic, um, even mm -hmm. though he's like one of the most charismatic characters like ever in my opinion. Uh, you know, like. Granny was kind of like, <laughs> Granny was just kind of like, they're trying to make her like a millennial joke, basically, or a, a Gen Z joke, where kept referencing like, random stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a there's a rap, there's a rap battle with Porky Pig, which is oh, probably was... one of the worst things I've ever seen, like on screen, <laughs> in oh, any yeah. movie ever. That's um, horrific. Like, like, you might think like, Looney Tunes could do it because, like, maybe they play it like kind of sarcastically, right? They literally play it so straight. Like, they they want you to think Porky Pig is actually laying down bars and is like, like blowing people away. You know, like there's no like there's no but there's like there's no like kind of like a comment or like sign from the movie makers that like okay we know this isn't actually that good. This is supposed to be a joke, but but no, they like they wanted us to buy it. Um, but yeah, and uh, Lola Bunny. Lola Bunny was like probably like one of the most memorable characters. Like she was created for the first Space Jam, right? Yeah. And she's like existed till now. Um, her character, I get what they were doing is I guess they wanted to make her more of a 
uh, <laughs> they, the enemy we were like they didn't want to attract the furry crowd. <laughs> that makes sense because Lola is like kind of um, I guess legendary on like certain parts of the internet for being uh, like she's a know, sex like, symbol, but she's a rabbit. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for saying it in a way that I couldn't figure out how. Um, but, like, I, I think it's just, just like, because they didn't really replace it with anything. She was just a very bland character in this. and um, She kind of just comes across as Lola is also there, which is exactly how you treat Porky Pig in this movie, not Lola Bunny. Yeah, exactly. So that was disappointing, too, especially, you know, you would think that they would want uh, like one of the original characters from Space Jam to be a lot more of a, I guess, presence in this movie. So, well, and they uh, specifically cast her with a different voice actress than usually voices Lola. She they, she got cast like Zendaya was cast as Lola Bunny, right. and like you don't make a decision like that and then ignore the character. Yeah, exactly. And she was very much that. Well, I mean, all the Looney Tunes were really ignored, in my opinion. So. Yeah, but, like, uh, at least Bugs Bunny had something to do. Uh, I mean, yeah, he was, I guess he was united. Barely, right? but, like, yeah. more, more than anyone else. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, but also, like, it doesn't feel like a Bugs thing to do. Like, I get, I get it's, like, it's necessary for Bugs Bunny to have an arc, right? But it just felt really weird to see Bugs Bunny really lonely and slowly going insane on a planet, if that makes sense. It feels like it's, it's, it was almost akin to, like, seeing Luke Skywalker end up really depressed on an island by himself in The Last Jedi. Like, it didn't feel right for his character, even though there isn't really a canon for Bugs Bunny, as stupid as that sounds. It didn't, it felt so weird. At the, at the beginning of this, I asked you, like, did you feel like this felt like it actively didn't want to be a Looney Tunes movie? And the reason right. that I asked that is, like, they go out of their way several times in this movie to say nobody cares about the Looney Tunes. The Looney Tunes are going to die, but no one even remembers them. And, like, I guess that's true, but, like, people are coming to see Space Jam because they remember the first Space Jam, which is a Looney Tunes movie. They're coming for LeBron James, sure, but they're also coming for Bugs Bunny. Like, the Looney Tunes are not forgotten and, like, no one remembers them and no one likes them. They don't have a big, as big a presence as they maybe did in the 30s, but the biggest presence the Looney Tunes currently have is with people nostalgic for Space Jam. So, like, mm. you can't just say, oh, no one cares about the Looney Tunes, because in this very specific case, this is that is not true. If this was Looney Tunes back in action, too, then, like, I would get it. That's a plot point you can make. But when the, mo when the movie you're making is what the Looney Tunes are currently in this, like, in, in this time, in this time in history, are currently most well known for, then like that's not an argument that holds any water. Yeah, it's it's like it's kind of like like it's it's like imagine like an artist like an artist releasing music and being like no one's gonna like this or something like that. They like keep saying it like because it's like a way to save face, you know. It's like they're they're embarrassed that they're even trying to like show the Looney Tunes to the public, right? So, like, like if people, like, are like, who are the Looney Tunes? They can be like, oh, yeah, but, like, we reference that in the movie. Like, we are very self-aware that no one likes the Looney Tunes. Um, Imagine if Kanye put out a double album that was Remember the Throne 2 and Life of Pablo 2 on, like, two different discs. Yeah. 
And he was like, no one likes these albums. These are probably everyone's <laughs> least favorite Kanye albums. Yeah. And then it like, it wouldn't mean uh, anything. It would be wrong. Yeah. Right. It'd be the it'd um, be emphatically the opposite of right. Yeah. And then like, and then it's like, um, like, and then, cause I think it like lets them save face. Cause like, if it's all of a sudden successful, they'll be like, oh, like we knew all along, like we had faith, you know, or something like that. Uh, so it's kind of like they're trying to do like a, like we're, we're, we're embarrassed by this, but we also want this to succeed. Um, yeah. Anyways, it, it is, it is really disappointing that I didn't really get a Looney Tunes movie, uh, even though there hasn't really been a big one in so long. Um, and it kind of made the Looney Tunes feel lame. And this probably hurt their reputation more in the long run, if anything. Uh, mm -hmm. Because, I, again, I've never seen Looney Tunes stuff I didn't really like. Um, and to me, Bugs Bunny is, like, one of my favorite characters ever, period. Along with, like, like Daffy Duck. Like, him and Daffy together are, like, like the funniest comedy duo ever, in my opinion. Uh, or one of the funniest ever. And I didn't get that in this movie. So it, it's really sad. Um, mm -hmm. and I feel like because of this movie, we might not get another Looney Tunes movie in a long, long time. If, if ever, you know, uh, maybe with streaming, like a streaming movie or something, but I don't see a theater movie in a long time for sure. Yeah. I am hoping that like, despite this movie, uh, Looney Tunes are, are going to be on people's minds enough to get us like an HBO max original, maybe a couple. Yeah. And like, Hopefully, I mean, obviously, I really want Looney Tunes back in action, too. That's probably not in the cards right away, but, like, maybe one day it could be. Who knows? Brendan Fraser's uh, career's coming back. He's in a Scorsese movie. Oh, he's going to be soon, an Oscar so... nominee in, in next year. I guarantee yeah, it. so maybe he can make the push for back in action part two. I hope so. <laughs> so, um, one, one good thing, oh, yeah. one bad thing, and then rate it, and then we'll uh, call it a day. I'll say a good thing was maybe um I I did like the uh the Warner Brothers I guess trek through. It wasn't like amazing or anything, but there were some really funny scenes that like I, you can't you couldn't really do in another movie. Like uh like seeing seeing Elmer Fudd as Dr. Evil and Sylvester as like the naked cat. Um was actually like actually got a huge laugh out of me. I thought that was hilarious. Um, so like stuff like that is like something I, you know, you'd never really be able to see in a, a regular movie. So I appreciated stuff like that, I guess, even though, like you said, like the matrix one and some other ones didn't really land that well. Um, mm -hmm. Improvement, I guess just like, I could kind of see what they were doing, like with the father son thing. I just like, it didn't really, the way they explained it was just, like, the way they tied it into the movie was just so overly complex, and it didn't need to be. Like, I don't need, like, a huge setup to understand why they're playing a, a crazy basketball game, right? Mm -hmm. um, but there was, like, a lot of exposition and a lot of, like, scenes dedicated to make people understand why this isn't a regular basketball game. It's a video game or whatever, right? And also that took a lot, a lot of attention too, because people were just scoring like thousands, like hundreds of points because they got like a bonus, they hit like a bonus uh, thing or whatever. So like it, it was like, it didn't even really need to be basketball because people were just scoring like 200 points for no reason and stuff like that. Well, so. I mean, I would make the argument that it wasn't basketball, but the problem is that like 
since it wasn't basketball and it was a game that they made up for the movie, like nobody understands how it works. So there's no tension yeah. because we can't tell when someone's winning. They're just winning when they tell us. Yeah. And then like, because they, they basically come back in like three baskets, right? Or four baskets because they use power ups something, something like that. that. And then um, they break then, the game because I, some reason. Yeah. Um, anyways. Yeah. Very, very confusing. So uh, I'll give this movie like a two out of 10. Uh, let's see. So I think this is going to sound like a backhanded compliment. I mean this seriously, though. I thought that the big chungus scene in this movie was very tasteful. Like it didn't just it didn't just say, haha, remember big chungus? It actually like did the joke that initiated that like originated big chungus. And I had never seen that joke because I just hadn't seen that episode of Looney Tunes before. So I'm like, oh, I get it. Bugs Bunny is like doing an impression of Elmer Fudd. That's cool. I like that. I just Funny. never seen that joke Funny before. Big so like, chungus. I don't. Hmm? Oh, big chungus oh, is like a. It's it's the it's a picture of Bugs Bunny, but he's fat. And the reason oh. is that it's Bugs Bunny in the shape of Elmer Fudd. And like, I didn't know that before this movie, but in this movie, they did that and they did it organically, and I thought that was really cool. Um, what they could improve. I don't, this movie feels like it was written by a committee and that committee and like, but like a committee with one really passionate person on it who they completely ignored. And I really wish that like, because there are good, like I said, there's good ideas in this movie. Someone cared enough to put this movie together in like, to put things into this movie that are good. It's just weird that that person that like, whoever wrote that, or like, or when they were doing the final version of this movie, they seem to have sidelined those good ideas in uh, in favor of what is essentially a huge HBO Max um, advertisement, which like I do not think suits this movie well, or at least doesn't suit the space doesn't suit Space Jam well. And so I think that's the part that bothered me maybe the most. Well, you're not wrong. This movie was written by like six different people. I think I saw so. That's yeah. usually a pretty bad sign from the start. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I guess I would give this, I don't know, I'll give it a week two. I won't give it a one, but like, close. Okay. Um, Actually, yeah, I, I almost want to revise mine to a one. It was pretty bad. So anyways, continue. Um, I think that's it. That's our summer movies. I don't know what we're talking about next week, but like, we'll figure out something. Maybe, uh, I'm not sure if there's anything specific we got to talk about next week. We might just do a uh, classic movie. Maybe. Oh, we could do like a Marvel movie or one of the Marvel shows too, if you really want. I don't. Um, I don't okay. want to. <laughs> okay, never mind. Take it back. Wait, is there no movies that came out recently? Oh, no, there are. Like, I just saw like... Free Guy yesterday. We could talk oh. about Free Guy. I don't know if I really want to, but we could. Yeah, I don't know if I want to see that. Right we'll I see. will. We'll I, that's actually going to be my secret movie recommendation of the day. Go see Free Guy because it is actually surprisingly good. Oh, okay, cool. Even despite, like, what if I'm like tired of Ryan Reynolds? Will I still like it? Because I'm kind of tired of him right now. Uh, maybe wait for it to come out on DVD. Oh, okay. Or like on on streaming. But like, I do think it's worth the watch. Uh, if you, I, I also am not tired of Ryan Reynolds yet. So if you are, that that might influence things. Pierre, what's the last word? Uh, Chungus.